Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime, which is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend service. Uh, we're so glad that you're joining us, whether you're watching this live or you're catching this via our podcast or our website. Thanks so much for joining us. In just one second, my computer is going to make a noise, and I'm going to try and catch it in time. Maybe you won't hear it. Maybe you will. But now you'll pay attention to it. But now you're going to be listening for it. So uh, once we go live on the website, there's just some feedback issues that i got to take care of. But what we want to do is kind of jump into the weekend uh, message. We started a brand new series called Happy Strife, Happy Life Plus. <laughs> it was kind of the second part of a series that we started at the beginning of the year called Happy Life or Happy Strife, Happy Life. And we're looking at the faith of several people over the next couple weeks. So we want to jump into that. We'll probably start by doing a recap because that's what we always do. Just as a reminder to keep you updated. There's the noise there. Maybe you didn't hear it. Um, but before we jump into that, we always try and give you a couple quick announcements, some things that are happening in the church that you may be aware of, or maybe you're not aware of that we want to draw to your attention. Uh, the first is the Big Yellow Mug. We have a coffee shop that meets here that's open every day, Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. If you're looking for a place to be able to be socially distant, to enjoy a great cup of coffee, maybe work from home, or maybe not work from home, but work from somewhere that's a little bit different than home, just kind of a change of scene, then the Big Yellow Mug, Mug Coffee Shop could be exactly what you're looking for. Kind of like most restaurants, we ask that you would wear a mask into it as you're ordering your, your drink or your snack, but then as you make your way to a table, you're welcome to remove that mask. Um, we're encouraging, you can have up to six people uh, with you or five people with you, groups of six to a table, so that way if you're looking for a meeting place, this could be an opportunity for you. So. That is Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. And then also Sundays, we're here from 8.30 to 10.30. Um, the other thing that we wanted to draw your attention to is that you may or may not be aware that during the week, we have several small groups for families, specifically for your children. So high school, middle school, middle school, and kid zone, uh, elementary age, we have groups that meet throughout the week. Um, for those specific age groups. There's come some that are on Thursdays, middle school and high school, I think both meet on Wednesdays. But if that is something that you would be interested in doing, man, you can check out our website, clcfamily.church for more information. Just look for the connection and you'll see kind of pages for each of those individual things. Or if you can't find it, feel free to give us a call, 610-869-2140. We'd be happy to point you in the direction for that. So that's kind of the announcements that we have. We'll kind of jump into the, the teaching of this week and uh, turn it over to you for our recap, my friend. Uh, are you finished? I'm finished. Okay. I'm done. By I'm the done. way, if you do call, you might hear a very friendly That's voice right. that you'd be really excited. Karen Truman, who retired a couple of years back, has been on the road traveling with her husband, Ken. Because of COVID and our ability to kind of do things remotely, Karen has rejoined our staff remotely and is answering the phone connecting with our folks so yeah you should yeah. just call and all the great say, ones come out of retirement yeah that's just yeah, the way that's that right say, say hello to karen uh but anyway yeah so we're in happy strife happy life plus the plus really really important because it just means it costs you more that that's literally what it means and so if you watch the super bowl you see that cbs all access is changing to paramount plus you got <laughs> apple tv plus you got hbo Plus, you got all these Hulu plus. There's all these pluses, and it just means you get more access, and you're gonna pay more money, right? <laughs> and so there is something about this. Go, hey, we're gonna we're gonna kind of give you the version where you still have to watch the ads, all that kind of stuff. So four weeks where Jesus is teaching on what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Earth, where you can find happiness and blessing. And it's interesting that happiness and blessing actually 
seems to most of them originate in affliction and pain and sorrow and the word strife. And so there is happiness to be found in the middle of those things because when you're at the end of the rope, you realize that you don't really want to hold the rope anymore. You should hold Jesus. And so I've been looking at that. Now we're actually taking a look at people who um, live this out. So these are real people, real humans that really lived. We actually can mark this guy we talked about this week, the centurion and his work on the synagogue in Capernaum. Really, really beautiful. And so these are real people who had real struggles and real pain. And yet, 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 they got to live in and access the kingdom of God, which the big idea this week is the way by which you gain access to the kingdom of God is through faith. Faith is the key. If you want to think about it, don't worry. Faith is the literal key to gaining access here and now to the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's what you get to do, and it's faith that gets you there. The problem is if faith is the key that gains you access, you can't duplicate it, right? So when I was uh, in high school, I had a, a master key to the school, right? Uh, the, uh, did they know you had a master key to the well, school? Was it intentional? Like, yeah, I didn't have time to talk about it this week. But yeah, yeah. So my basketball coach, the okay. club director, gave me a key because the key to the school was also the key to the gym. And so okay. I would drive and shoot, all those kind of things. Okay. It's pretty common. And my buddies and I would go and play. But that was, uh, I mean, that was a hot commodity. Yeah. And like sure. a lot of people won the bar and I couldn't. And I actually went to the, the local. Uh, hardware store to get it to get it you know duplicated because i'm back sure they says, were good with that uh, the back of it said do not duplicate <laughs> so no one else could use the key other than me i wasn't supposed to but someone who had access gave me access to the key but like that key faith is the key to the kingdom yeah. of heaven yet you can't duplicate it you can't actually manufacture it you can't search deep within you to find it so over the next several weeks you're gonna figure out how in the world do we gain access to the kingdom through faith and so yeah. one of the working definitions we're going to use is faith is obeying not just believing but obeying even when your senses seem to tell you otherwise so we saw that this week with this roman yeah. centurion who had a really good buddy a servant actually who it says was at the point of death and he had no other options except to finally finally turn his you know attention trajectory towards jesus and pursue him in hopes that maybe in jesus's kingdom what jesus could do would be much better than uh, his current surroundings and so on the Difficult and beautiful parts of all this is it's actually the difficult situations in our life that lead us to consider, you know, walk, walk towards, leverage, open the door into the kingdom. So that's what we did. We just saw a man operating faith. And what's really, really beautiful in this story is we see the moment where his faith gives now the, the object of his faith is placed in Jesus and the kingdom. So we see a skeptic and a doubter and someone who is actually pretty insecure and aware of his own brokenness and his own um, inability to gain access. We see when the light bulb cuts on and, you know, we can make some observations, get gain some understanding and uh, do some things differently with faith as a result of it. So faith is the key to the kingdom of heaven. And this week, next three weeks, we'll figure out how to leverage our faith in that. Yeah. So, but, and we're still in the kind of using the illustration, how to get from here to there, yeah. kind of the idea, the doorway that, you know, a lot of times that God is bringing us through. There's situations like it looks different. If you don't know what we're talking about, you can review yeah. the last four weeks on our website as well. So as we're talking about that, now we're kind of shifting a little bit to the faith aspect of it. And I think it's going to take us several weeks to work through that, but also still kind of in the background, literally, yeah. is this doorway. Like, how yeah. do we get from here to there, right? Yeah, so I want to say we come out and get all the way around the barn this week. The reason is a big old barn. <laughs> it's a big old barn is that we're working through. But yeah, so 
if we imagine, uh, the Bible teaches a lot in contrasts. Yeah. One of the big contrasts is the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of earth. 92 times God talks about the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Jesus talks about it interchangeably in the gospels. And so there is this thing that we're longing for. And you know that you're longing for it because you know something's just not quite right. And if you're not a Christian, you know it's just like something's off. Something you long for. You thought it was a job. You thought it was a spouse. thought it was the money. Something is just not quite right and it's all there. And so in those moments when we arrive at the place that we thought was the place and the place leaves us wanting, is that that you go, well, this isn't where I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Or when you're in the middle of a lot of pain and sorrow and boy, do I know some of you are really in a lot of pain and sorrow and you go, well, this isn't the place I want to be in. And if that's the case, it leads us to a spot where we go, I have this longing in my life, this desire in my life that is not being fulfilled. And what I would say in that, when you get there, whether through pain or sorrow or just from humility and awareness, if this isn't what I long for, I would say, oh, oh, lean into that because you're so close. You're literally standing in the gap between here, the kingdom of earth, Hmm. and there, the kingdom of heaven. You just got to keep on walking. And so what we can kind of see is that Pain and sorrow and awareness and humility are all just the doorway, the the access to finally, finally enter the kingdom of heaven. So faith is really just choosing to walk through the doorway. Not just be in the doorway, but walk through and gain access to all the stuff in the kingdom of heaven. And so, yes, in order to leave here, in order to get there, you have to leave here. Pain and sorrow, humility, awareness, all those things are... um, the vehicles by which yeah. we leave here go there. And the reason we should go there is it's so much better, yeah. so much better than here. So as we kind of jump into this, like we're, we're starting in Luke chapter 7, verse 1. Um, you had talked a little bit about Capernaum, right? So Capernaum was a, an interesting place like that we see. And you started with, or actually maybe you didn't start with the temple. Maybe that was yeah. early on, but you had synagogue, pictures, yeah, yeah. yeah, the synagogue there. Um, so have pictures of that and working through that. But what was the significance of Capernaum, I guess, in Jesus' time? Like that was one of the things I think you started Yeah, with. so uh, Jesus is from a little town called Nazareth. And literally it, in, in this town, he's actually trying to minister care to support his people. And they just don't trust him. And literally he says in the scriptures that he marveled and was amazed at their lack of faith. So this is not going to be a good home base for him. These are... Uh, so he actually finds a new home base and since a little fishing village of Capernaum. Yeah. And so uh, he connects to begin with with some Jewish people who are followers of John the Baptist, who probably are followers of John the Baptist because John the Baptist wasn't meeting at the same time that the synagogue was meeting. And so these Jewish leaders, these not Jewish leaders, these fishermen couldn't have gone to the synagogue because they were fishing and dealing with fish and dealing with dead fish, which meant they were unclean and incapable of going to the synagogue. And so he starts with these outcasts and outsiders, these fishermen in this little bitty village. We know them as Peter and John and Andrew and James. And so he, he's these. this is their hometown. And so what we see for most of Jesus' ministry is this is going to be the home base. This is, we've already seen him uh, yeah. bring healing to Peter's mother in Capernaum. So what you see yeah. is Jesus kind of goes out into the out you know surrounding areas and he was going to come back to Capernaum as kind of the home base. And so, okay. so much of what happens is in this little town that Jesus loves, this little fishing village, very small, not a lot of people, definitely less than 500 people, probably the one to 200 range of people. The houses were the size of your master bedroom. I mean, they're four or 500 square feet. And uh, they shared walls with other places. And there's this little bitty village where they all shared walls. And then the synagogue is right next to it, kind of the 
you know, the, the focus of the Capernaum village right there on the on the sea. That uh, that's a lot of the stuff that's going to happen. And so there would have been Roman leaders who also lived in Capernaum, like uh, centurions who were yeah. learned about. I mean, the captain of a hundred soldiers or whatever. So if you imagine like a police chief and all of his, you know, deputies. I, sorry if I got that confused on sheriffs and policemen and. <laughs> You know, and so these are the guys who are keeping order in yeah. the area. This is the big chief. This is the captain that we're going to look at, who, uh, which is so surprising, was really liked yeah. by these Jewish yeah. leaders. And so we're going to kind of focus on a guy who, by all accounts, is pretty successful, yeah. has influence and affluence, uh, is well-liked, so he has good reputation. So he has all the things that don't lead to much pain in his life. His, yeah. From what we know, his family's intact. But all of a sudden, he's going to have this moment where he's going to meet an issue that he can't fix and, and discover a longing that he can't fulfill. And it's going to be in someone he loves closely, a servant, probably with someone who worked closely with him, who is now sick and he can't, and says point to the point of death that he can't heal. So it's in that moment in the middle of his pain and sorrow that he goes, if there's any solution to this, it's not going to be found to me. Yeah. It's not going to be found to these people. Oh, the guy is about Jesus. The guy who's doing those crazy things is back in Capernaum. Let me go and see if he can bring healing to this man that I love. Yeah, so I'm just looking at, at that verse now. So the centurion had a servant who was sick, and this is verse 2, at the point of death, who is highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. Like, So at first, I guess I'm looking at this and understanding that this man's a Roman that he's not a Jew, like yeah. he's pretty affluent, as you said. Is this man's man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this kind of a is as Jesus sees this, and what we see later on is that uh, Jesus is impressed by his faith, right? Yeah. Like that's what we ultimately see and what we'll get to. But it initially, like it almost seems pretty. And if he's a man of authority, maybe yeah. this doesn't. Maybe this is just kind of par for course. But it seems like he's using his position and his authority to get his way is is that a way to look at that or yeah i don't know if it's that but it does certainly seem like he's cashing in this chip yeah right. right okay so this is a guy because you're going to see the jews you know kind of do these things so i don't know if he like I, you see this moment where it switches for him but what we see happen is this guy goes i'm not going to go to jesus and he explains why later that he has a um an awareness positionally that jesus is greater than him which is yeah. a pretty significant thing to be able to understand but he's going to the people that he has influence with, who he believes has influence with a guy who has the solution to his problem. So he is going to the Jewish leaders because yeah. he believes, because he doesn't understand this, this you know, this Judaism thing. Right, hey, right. they have this synagogue. These guys are considered godly. They have direct access to God. This guy has direct access to God. And so if they can get with him, he can get me to the him, right? And okay. so this guy is just, I mean, he's a, He's a military leader, so he knows yeah. how to put the right people in the right spot and connect the right dots to achieve the uh, the, the necessary goal. Right. So right. these are now going to be the guys who are going to get to that guy who are going to achieve the goal. And so I think he's just operating how he's always operated. This is this is how I get things done. Right. Yeah. So he's <laughs> yeah. going to the people who can get him access to what he needs. So I guess in my question becomes in that, like, why why does he have favor? And I think that we see this a little bit in verse five. Um, I think it's five. Yeah. So as we continue on, so the Jews were what we've talked about before, even on this podcast, is that the Jews really, if you weren't a Jew, they didn't like you. Yeah. Like that's just generally how it went. I guess in my mind, that question becomes, and again, this is part of why we're 
I feel like this story made it into the Bible, right? Like this is, there's something to learn yeah. and to gain from this. So that's why it, for me, as I'm looking at it, I'm going, man, what was it about him that made him different than the rest? Like he wasn't despised by the yeah. Jews or, or was it he was despised and they feared him? But when you read verses four and five, it's a, so basically Centurion goes, hey, you friends of mine, Go talk to Jesus, bring him here so he can heal my servant. Yeah. And then verse four is what the Jewish leaders say. They say, and when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, he is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And then verse six, and Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house. The centurion sent, uh, continuing on. So yeah. I guess I'll just stop at five. So I guess I'm looking at that and I'm going, man, what made this guy different? Yeah, so, well, I mean, this is what's really interesting. Is, I mean, we know people like this that are just better people than you and I, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what? Yeah. I don't, why are they nice? Yeah. Like, they don't, it's particularly for those other Christians going, yeah. boy, I can be really mean spirited, and that yeah. person is gentle and kind. And so some of this, yeah. maybe it's nature, maybe rough upbringing that mm. gave them some empathy and awareness. But for the Jews, there's really two guiding things. Performance and pleasure, right? Yeah. So mostly performance. Perform if I perform good, then I'm valuable. So a lot of a Jewish culture was seeking after uh, their performance to give them a better identity. So yeah. do the things, even if they don't really do the things, do the things in public yeah. that make me look better. But deepened with their heart, there is this longing to find pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. And so get performance, outward pleasure is how do I then leverage other people for my own gain, my own purposes, my own money, wealth, comfort, all those kind of things. And so if you think about that side, it's going, well, they say that this guy loved Israel, yeah. meaning they, and built them the synagogue. Well, guess what you need to make money? Yeah. An attraction. Yeah. An attraction, right? In this culture, you need something to invite yeah. people to to charge on the synagogue tax, right? And so this is a guy who believes enough in Judaism to go, I'll support you in this. And they're going, ah, oh, we got this guy, right? Yeah. So this guy, nice and kind, not a tyrant, doesn't leverage his power for uh, his gain, right? L leverages his power for the sake of other people. And so these Jews now have a guy who helps them with their performance yeah. and helps them with their comfort, security, and pleasure. Yeah. So they're going, well... This guy's done a lot for us. We need to probably support him too because this mm. quid pro quo, mutually beneficial relationship continues if we can now meet the needs. Let's go right, to Jesus right. and convince Jesus to help this guy. Now, yeah. this is still early on. Probably, I mean, it's before they sent him out the first time. And so definitely in the first year and a half, I sent out the apostles when I met Luke. So this is in the first 18 months of Jesus's ministry. And so a lot of people are, still really confused about who Jesus is. So yeah, these Jewish okay. leaders are going, I'm not really sure who he is, but I do <laughs> see the evidence that he has access to supernatural power. Right, right. And he certainly understands the scriptures. So let's, we have something in common there. So maybe he sees us as colleagues and mm -hmm. peers. And so they're going to go to him. And what's interesting is this is where I think so rich. They're going to explain to Jesus what they think is genuine spirituality and you right, know right. and maturity. They're literally having a conversation trying to convince Jesus so we get a picture of what they actually think in their mind. Yeah. They say this guy is 
worthy. He yeah. holds his weight in gold, right? Like he's he's valuable. He is he is good for the kingdom. Like he has a, a an identity of value, right? And so they actually believe this is why Jesus cares that yeah. he has done good and he supported good endeavors. Which yeah. you think about it, those are the people we celebrate. Those are the people yeah, we right. talk about a lot of their funerals. They did good, yeah, and then they supported endeavors. Of for social justice, whatever yeah. it is. And so you see these things. And so these religious leaders definitely think his performance is what gains him access yeah. into the kingdom. So you got to think about it through the lens of, do you want to leave here and go there? At first glance, it certainly looks like religious leaders. And maybe you and I would think, well, that makes sense. That's how he gets there. Do good. Have yeah. more good days than bad. Be nice to people. Give your stuff away and work for the good of other people. Yeah. Oh, I get access to the kingdom of God. So at first, at, you know, First shot, this just makes sense for all of us in terms of how we view religion. So there's a lot of insight to go, ah, oh, that's actually it. This is what yeah. the Jews believe. This is why they did this. They actually thought this is how you got access to the kingdom. Yeah. Which it makes sense that Jesus would talk about the kingdom so much going, this is not how you get access to yeah. the kingdom. Right. And, and I feel like that's, uh, I was picking that up on Sunday as you yeah. were talking through that. It just works didn't earn him the right, right? Like that's not mm -hmm. what Jesus ultimately celebrates. He celebrates his faith, mm -hmm. not his works and okay, you did all this. And, and I think what the question almost becomes uh, is is for us, like if you've gone to church for any amount of time, you've probably heard that it's not about a works-based righteousness. Yeah, yeah. Yet there is this balance, and maybe you could speak to this, where, where when we come to Christ and when we're following him and when we're operating in faith, there's still this level of works that really should be seen in our lives. Like how do we balance the two or how do we identify if we're living into a works-based righteousness or we're doing our good works out of the love and the faith that we have in Christ? Yeah, but should, that just requires us to have more emotional intelligence yeah. than most of the days we have, right? Yeah. So, And it requires a, a pause and an introspection, not like in a deep one, like we deal with all your soul, but just that it has everything, everything to do with motivation. Everything to do, and the thing is, it has everything to do with intent. And you know this because someone would go to jail longer if they had an intent to kill someone. Right. You know that's murder, not an intent. That's manslaughter, right? Like right. we understand the importance of intent in terms of things, in terms of the justice system, but for some reason we miss that in terms of our own spirituality. Like that's mm -hmm. everything to do with intent. Like the real question is, why do you do what you do? Right. Really? You know, I just answer the question real quick, but then go, no, no, really, why did you do that? Like, is it somehow you did those things? Like, I found myself Sunday. Oh, so dirty. I can't remember sharing this out loud. Um, it cleaned off my neighbor's uh, driveway. Okay. Okay, I guess Simon, it was big snowstorm on Sunday. But it was the it was the simplest one yeah. ever. Like I've never done this before. I was it's, like, I'm easy to shovel. Yeah. I'll do this. And I'm ever getting all the way through and going. She's not home. I mean, like her husband is uh, deployed. And I was like, I don't even know if she'll know whether or not I did it. And I thought, oh, she wouldn't even. And, and I, I like literally had to think, why does that matter to me? And I was like, well, I want to be nice for Julie and I to be able to connect with her and her kids and care for them. So I think for the most part, it was that. It was like, there's something in that. And it's like, what is my motivation? Yeah. That I somehow I'm being seen as a nice guy. Like, So it just requires some work for us to really go, why did I just do that? Really? And so I think that is, if this is, you do these things somehow for your performance or your pleasure, right? But somehow there's something for you to gain. Your value is greater as a result. Then that is a works-based religion. Yeah. Your religion is just that you believe that other people determine your value. And if you do good in front of them, or you believe that pleasure 
is the goal of life. And so if there's something about my performance against my, what I do that's about my performance for either, you know, grow, climbing up the ladder or for pleasure, what that means is somehow in that is the wrong motivation. But all that requires a pause. And so the other option is I do these things as a result of what's been done for me. For God's been Mm -hmm. so gracious to me. He's been so kind to me. He's just given me two hours of freedom to be able to sit out here and worship with my hands, even yeah. shoveling. Why wouldn't I do those? I'm only that over there. Why wouldn't I do those things? And so I think that's the piece. That's yeah. everything to do with motivation, but everything to do with motivation has to do with yeah. pausing and reflecting. And pause and reflection are not a real part of our culture and yeah. haven't been for right. a long time to the point where there's this weird word in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms, Selah, yeah. that has to do with pausing and reflection but we don't really have an english word to go that's what that is right. we don't even know it's like what pause and reflection what does that mean debriefing i get because i think about that yeah. talk about it but like just pause and reflection so they're yeah. just required and so that's what we see in this guy we see in a guy who obviously at some point does some pausing and reflecting because yeah. he comes to the conclusion that he is not worthy for yeah. jesus to be anywhere near him and if anyone in this story should be worthy for Jesus to be near him as the guy who does all these things, not because yeah. he thinks it gains some value in the kingdom because he doesn't, he's not even operating Judaism. Yeah. Right. So. Right. So continuing on, and we do have some questions I don't want to get to, but I feel like maybe mm-hmm. we'll, we'll work through the scripture and then get to those. Um, so continuing on, um, sorry, verse six, um, and Jesus went with him, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am un- I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Uh, therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say uh, the word and let my servant be healed. For I, too, am a man uh, under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and, my ser- and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Uh, when Jesus heard these things, maybe we'll just pause there before we talk about Jesus's response. So, right. so here, what you talked about on Sunday is that he's he's understanding who he is, kind of in comparison to Jesus, yeah. which he's just alluded to. Like, I, I guess in my mind, how does he how does he come to that? So, just kind of self aware is that something that God brought a revelation to him? Because this is a point in really in the whole history of of God's word that. It, the Jews were the only chosen people of God. So how does he come to this revelation of who God is or who Jesus is in comparison to him? Yeah. So I think, first of all, uh, it seems like, wow, this is so profound, but it shouldn't be. Mm. Because if you would be honest with yourself Mm. and I'd be honest with myself, this isn't a hard conclusion to come to. Yeah. Right. It's not a hard conclusion to come to the fact that we are broken. Yeah. So what you see here is actually, what's called repentance like it's a metanoia right the changing of your mind mm. therefore the changing of your behavior and so he is literally going whoa, 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 whoa wait i said to them i don't know i shouldn't have called them wait 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 like he literally yeah. is coming to the conclusion as a result of different thinking and his thinking is he's not worthy yeah so i don't know why this is so hard for us i don't know if it's built into our western culture i don't know if it's beat into us by our parents, I don't know if it's just a, a curse of the fall, but for some reason, it's really hard for us to admit we're not worthy, mm-hmm. but we're not worthy. Like, so, like, yeah. I don't, it, it should not be this hard 
except for the <laughs> fact that not everybody's honest about this. So yeah. deep down, we're not really aware that everybody else is this way too. We just know our own thoughts and behaviors, and we've been ingrained to think those are we can't share those, so people can't know it. So there's just this this performance where I perform, and the other person goes, "Wow, he's a good performer," so he performs. So then yeah. I perform, but deep down, we know our own souls, and so. What this is, is just pause and reflection and awareness. And so this, this should be our natural response and our natural doorway into the gospel is just that. I cannot satisfy my own cravings and I cannot satisfy the expectations of a creator on me. Hmm. I cannot satisfy them, right? And so if we are here, so this guy comes to the conclusion that he's here, hands and feet. And he's probably come to the conclusion that there is someone who created him, right? I mean, the, some of the most brilliant scientists in the world would argue, mo- almost all of them actually, that there is some kind of intelligent design, they probably wouldn't use that word, that created this. And so that shouldn't, those are not hard conclusions. You have to be a Christian to come to the conclusion that something's greater than us. We use weird words like karma, that there's some kind of outside force, that something initiated all this. And then most of us can come to the conclusion that if something initiated all this, there's got to be a reason. There's got to be a why. Everything, science explains the how, but not the why. But if we stop and think about it, there is a why. And the best plausible explanation is that a creator created us to be in relationship with him. And then we got to go, if that's the case, what's the gap? Why do I not experience that? And if we spend any time and energy, we can come to the conclusion that it's, it's not the creator's fault. It's not the creator's behavior. It's not, it's not him who walked away, right? Then it's something in me that's creating the gap. And so this is just the process of repentance, of just coming to that conclusion. And then either coming up with one or two answers. Either there is no hope, which means go back to here. Walk back in the door or... If there is hope, it's got to be over there, and it's got to be beyond my capability to gain access to it, which is where faith comes in. So this guy is just at a spot where he's going to have to put his faith into something, yeah. right? So this is, he is, at the, he is in the doorway, and he's going to have to make a choice. And he can't any longer put his faith in himself because he can't fix the problem. Yeah. So he's going, where do I put my faith? Do I put my faith in a dark cosmic world that just has death and pain and sorrow? Because that's going to take a lot of energy and time. Or can I, should I put my faith in a, in a hope of a kingdom that's, that my longings desire for? Because that's going to take the same amount of energy or time. But both of them come to this place where he is just incapable of fixing it. In other words, he's not worthy. Yeah. So this is not like, it's like, wow, that's really brilliant. No, he wants his servant to be fixed. And he's not worthy or capable of doing that. That is a logical conclusion that we all can come to. What, what, what takes the faith is not that. It's what do I do now that I've come to the conclusion that I'm not work, I'm not capable of fixing it. Mm. There we have the options of which rocks to stand on. The one of deep, dark, despair, and gloom. Yeah. Go back there or here, right? Or the one where there's a king and a kingdom that we long for. Because you know you long for it. So he is at a place where he's got to choose A or B. Yeah. He's in the doorway, Yeah, right? so it's like, yeah. just where does he go? Either way, it takes a leap. So now he's yeah. just got to... Figure out what he's going to put his leap into. Now, word's been spreading. Yeah. That there is this great healer who's doing great things. That is an option. Is he confident in the option? No. You know what he's confident in? The fact that he is not worthy of fixing this mm. or doing anything. So that's it. So his options are, there is no hope or I'm going to place it here. He decides to place it there. We know the rest of the story. So yeah. it really is, and I don't want to 
minimize his great faith because Jesus celebrates it like crazy. Right. But what he's amazed at is that all of Israel, all these religious people in their own performance pedigree, who have all the laws to help them come to the conclusion they're not worthy, have not been able to come to that conclusion. Yeah. So, And maybe now is a good time yeah. to jump into the first question uh, that says this. It says, how can I develop great faith of the centurion? And I feel like we've already touched on this, so maybe it's just kind of a quick recap. But how do I develop great faith of the centurion as compared to the little faith of the disciples? And that's what's in Matthew uh uh, Matthew eight twenty six. So how do I have not the faith of the disciples were with Jesus, but the faith of the yeah. centurion? So uh, I, I don't think it's about the magnitude of faith. Okay? Mm. And I think that that's evident in the scriptures. And we, we missed this, but Jesus goes, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could tell that mountain to move and then move. Now, off topic, I believe in that verse. I've never seen a mountain move. But if I had the faith to believe that God wanted me to participate in that mountain, my objective is to take a shovel over yeah, there. That's right. what faith looks like. Not just, right. you know, like it's like me waking up and going, I have no clean socks. Dear Lord, would you give me some clean <laughs> socks? Right? That's just, that's not how that works. There's no, yeah. you know, like, oh, there's a shovel. Or there's snow in the driveway. Like there's a level of participation. Right. Now, that's where a, we'll get there. We'll get there in a couple of weeks. But in, in this category, so it's not about the, the depth of faith. It's about the object of the faith. Okay. So the difference between the religious leaders of little faith and the centurion, who I would say also little faith, yeah. right? Like he, he actually doesn't fully understand the gospel. He doesn't. Right. He thinks he's just, that Jesus is just coming with someone else's authority. He doesn't understand that that's God right there. You know. So, <laughs> right. so, but he's willing, even though he doesn't fully understand it, to place himself into that that object, right? And so it has very little to do with. Our confidence, or the size and strength of our faith, and the and the ability, and more to do with where we're placing it. Right, like if you are certain or uncertain of that your parachute's going to open, negates the fact that either way, you got at some point if you're going to jump, you got to jump. Right? Right, right. Hopefully it opens and open it. Oh no, you got it. But but once you take the leap, whether or not it was a small leap or a yeah. giant leap, it's just too late. And that's why I explained that story. And I mean, this would help help. Like reimagine this again. Yeah. The two hikers on the side fall off the cliff, and there's two different options. Let's say there's two different branches they can pull up on. That might be a better one than the rock, right? And so one goes, goes, I am positive that's the one. Let's grab that one. One hundred percent. Are you certain? Yeah, hundred percent. Grab that one. I'm making up the story. It's good, right? And the other one goes, I don't think it's that one. I think it's that one. Well, how certain are you? I don't know. Forty percent. Forty percent. Well, why would you grab that one if you're only forty percent? Well, because. That one doesn't look like it, and there's no other options, right? Yeah. So the one goes, no, no, this one, this one, 100%. This is the way. And he goes and grabs it, 100% confidence. And it's a little weak branch. He goes up on it. It breaks. He falls. Nice. This guy only has 40% confidence. 30, let's say 20%. He goes, well, I guess I'm going to try to pull up. He pulls up on it, and it works. Yeah. Which one had better faith? Hmm. Well, the one who put his trust in the right object, right. right? And so the reason that it's a battle for religious people so when I ask, okay, what is it like uh, the, the disciples or these guys, they had this religious belief that of great certainty that the way by which you inherited the kingdom of heaven was performance. 100% certainty yeah. in the wrong object yeah. is much worse than 10% certainty in the right object. Yeah. So we place way too much of our hope and our certainty and not in the object of the certainty. Mm. Okay. So what Jesus is amazed at is he looks and goes, look, the reason I know that this works is because my boss 
gives me authority to say those things and they'll happen. Right. You have a boss who gave you authority to say those things and happen. I am choosing to place the hope of my servant in your boss's hands. Right? And so it has everything to do with the object, yeah. very little to do with the the, the magnitude. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that you did, like, yeah. in, I think it was after verse 9, so I might be jumping around here, but yeah. you talked about blessed are the pure in heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah like, so that is the thing I think is so important here is it has nothing to do with getting it right or knowing yeah. your confidence. And it, it has to do with the object that you're placing your hope in. Like, right, yeah. I, same thing. It's like you can choose to go back there. 100% confident that over here in the kingdom of heaven is better. Yeah. Or you can be 10% confident that it's time to walk through the, the doorway. It has everything to do with where you're going and where you're putting your feet. So, and that is going, well, what if I get it wrong? Okay, you get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that Jesus isn't amazed that this guy got it all right. Yeah. He didn't get it right. Yeah. He didn't get it right. Like, he doesn't, still doesn't know that this is God. In the flesh. He doesn't yeah. understand the concept of the Trinity. Like he doesn't understand there's a God the Father, God the Spirit, God, you know, God yeah. the Son. He doesn't understand any of that. He just knows you're the one with authority. I'm yeah. gonna place my hope there. He gets that part right. And so it has to do more with that, right? And so it has very little to do with getting it right. Everything to do with our motivation of going, I can't place my hope anywhere else. I might as well place it in God. And then as we do that and see him come through, what happens is we keep taking those steps. But the reason we're taking those steps is because we trust him. We trust that he knows what's best, right? Mm-hmm. Our motivation is that I know what's best. I'm going to do this. My motivation in there is God knows what's best and I will to do what pleases him. So it has to do with, again, yeah. you look back at the motivation of our hearts. And so God says, blessed are the ones with a pure or clean heart where the, they're the ones who will see the kingdom. So you yeah. go back to the motivation of it. And less to do with the guarantee, but more to do with where you're placing your affection and your hope and your trust, what object you are. Yeah. So, so I, I feel like the question that I want to ask in that is, well, how do you be pure in heart? Like, so if blessed are the pure in heart, mm-hmm. how do you keep yourself from not? Like, and I think part of that you did already touch on and talk about, even on Sunday, you talk about, you know, it's not about, it's more about obedience than it is your understanding. Is that kind of the, is that all that you need to know in that? Like, if I'm striving to be pure in heart, like, it's not like I just strive to be more pure, right? Like, yeah, be more pure. Be more pure. Yeah, no, 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 right. no. So, um, uh, the word means clean. Okay. So, how do I have a clean heart? So, David talks about this give me clean hands and a pure heart. Yeah, that I not right. lift my soul to another, right? Uh, David actually says in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart mm-hmm. and renew a steadfast spirit in me, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. When we see him say that, when he's asking God to create the heart, this is out of David's deep repentance and awareness yeah, right. of his own brokenness. So I would say pure heart comes from sincere awareness of what's wrong, right? Okay. So to get that, so when we think about the, the clean thing, like another way um, that is defined would be uh, free from corrupt desire, right? So okay. that, like I'm not talking about what I, how I define pure, that language in Matthew 5, 8, that's what would be free from corrupt desire. So... What that means is how do we check our motivation and make sure that my desires aren't corrupt? Yeah. I'm not doing this because I'm going to convince my wife that I'm better than I am or she's yeah, going to give yeah, me what yeah. I want or I'm going to buy that thing. Or So we have to check yeah, our desires. Back to that, yeah, yeah. Right, so it yeah. has to do with motiva- motivation. But there's actually yeah. another really neat piece of this. Okay. Um, I, I share this a good bit. I think it's number – let me see. I actually have it written down, so I want to make sure I got this right. Numbers 30 – is that 
Uh, I actually number thirty uh, number thirty one. Let me read it to you. Everything that can st- and I share this all the time. So this is talking about the process of purification okay. to clean. Everything that can stand the fire. This is telling how to prepare all the stuff to be clean before the Lord. He's talking about things, but really, really neat trinkets, all those things. You shall pass through the fire, and it shall be clean. Nevertheless, it shall also be purified with water for impurity. And whatever cannot stand the fire, you shall pass through the water. So when you read this, like you think about gold, you think about utensils, you think about pots and pans. The way by which they became clean, fire. So literally, from my understanding of this, it says, if it can withstand fire, the way by which it is made clean and holistically put through the fire. So now all of a sudden we go, now we have a better understanding of affliction and pain and sorrow. Let me give you an example. Yeah. The things that you care about now are different than the things you cared about this time last year. Yeah. In fact, you have reordered your loves and things that really matter to you. Like you started watching the stock market go down and all of a sudden you stopped putting your hope there. Or you started uh, started spending more time with your family as the result of not being at work and you realize you actually like eating dinner at home. Yeah. Whatever it is, right? So there are things that our world has kind of put us through the fire on. And God has allowed that actually on the other side to go back and go, that stunk. Yeah. But boy, am I glad that happened, right? I can go all the way back to 20 years ago. or Yeah, 20 years ago, 19 years ago, the deepest pain and some you know relational decisions. I can go back to last year, some deep pain and go, don't want to do that again. Yeah. But I'm glad I did it, yeah, right? right? And so the neat thing, not the neat thing, the, the powerful thing about affliction and sorrow and all those things is it makes you cling to the things that really do matter yeah. and let the other stuff fall away. Yeah, so if I can jump in, yeah. like, so... One of the other questions that I feel like is right in line with what we're talking about. Like, I feel like I'll ask the question, but I feel like you just yeah, answered okay, it. Okay. So the question is, is that you opened, like, so as you started the message, you talk about, you know, mentioning cancer, marriage disasters, and closed the end of the service by saying that we can be confident that God is a good gift giver. This is an age-old dilemma, but would you, uh, but would you like to share your insights thereabouts? And I feel like you started to touch on that. Um, in the good gifts and that the affliction, what that affliction can bring. Yeah, so let's think about this way. Let's think, I mean, it's like one of those uh, icebreaker games where if your house were to catch on fire, what three things would you grab? And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, nothing. I don't really care about those things. Right? But, but you think about it and you grab those things and there's one or two views afterwards. Oh, I didn't get all this stuff or, oh, I'm so glad I got this picture book. Right, oh, I'm right. so glad I still have this. Right. So, so some of those things in that kind of moment, you are forced to really zero in on what matters, right, right? right? And so, I mean, you think about it, I mean, some of the language in the Bible is about pruning in terms of producing fruit. It's just part of it. Like, so there's this pruning process that happened so that we can yield more and better fruit. And so I was thinking about this. It's so messed up. I was reading uh, a couple of weeks back the story of Abraham and Lot and they were together, and you know this is before Sodom and Gomorrah, where Lot loses his family. Yeah. But what made him go to that place that was kind of on the margins, closer to the this pagan, corrupt stuff? You know what? I didn't ever read this before. What mm. sent them to those two spots is the fact that they had too much stuff. It literally is like they couldn't stay together because their land couldn't support both households. Yeah. Right. So they lost out relationally because they had so much junk. Literally, the extra livestock, the extra stuff, the extra people, all that kind of stuff actually limited the things that really matter. The relationship. Mm. Lots going to return to that after all the mess happens, right? Mm. And so we go. Sometimes we have all this stuff, but what gets in the way of all the what what the stuff does? It gets in the way of all the relationships. Like right now, many of you, God cannot 
call to move or go chase mm. the kingdom because you've got a mortgage and you've got student loans. All stuff. No judgment there, but boy, would you like to be free from those things. Mm. Sometimes the way by which God removes the ball and chain is through pain and sorrow mm. and those things, right? And so in all that stuff, the reality is the things that we really cling to that cannot fulfill us, cannot mm. forgive us, it's gracious of God when he removes them from us, right? A lot of the things in our life don't suit us. Yeah. They just don't suit us. And if they did even suit us, and I'll tell you this all time, they don't satisfy us. And even if they possibly suited us and satisfy us, they cannot save us. Yeah. So if they can't do any of those three things, wouldn't it possibly be gracious of God to remove those mm. things for us to come to that conclusion a little better and to go, what does suit us? What does satisfy us? And what does save us? And I promise you all, the answer to all three of those things is on the other side of the door. But sometimes the best way to relieve ourselves of those things is through reordering our loves, as St. Augustine says, yeah. as the result of you know, affliction and pain. I know a lot of people whose marriages have gotten better in the middle of really bad medical scares. Mm -hmm. Right? I know people whose family has gotten so much tighter in the middle of bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. Not that God causes those things, right? But there is stuff in there that are that we reorder our loves and actually kind of shrink our focus to what really matters yeah. in those things. And so, I mean, I, think I was showing the kids last week uh, pictures of Kibera, which is a horrible, you know, um, slum in mm. Kenya, over a million people all packed up. We were looking at video and all sorts of stuff. And I was just like, and, but in the videos, you look at them, these kids are smiling and laughing, yeah, right. literally in dirt. And yeah. their, their economy is trash. Yeah. But there are no less happy than my right. kids right. are. So you go, what is this? So much of this stuff, man, if God were to, you know, like even as we think about the church, there's so much extra fluff. And it's going, right now we can't do the fluff. So it just, it focuses. It's like there's this little telescope that kind of focuses it, which by the way, is where we get words like truth and understanding, teleos, you know, like, so there's like this focusing to the end. That's what that means. Telescope to the end. Like that helps us get to the end a little bit quicker as a result yeah. of, you know, all the stuff in the margins being kind of done away with. So. So, so that's how you're saying that, man, in our affliction and difficulty, God can be gracious. Like, not to say that that's every yeah. single time, right? Like, I want to make sure that I'm understanding correctly. Well, yeah, yeah. So let's just think about it. Let's think about it very specifically through the scriptures. Yeah. Why did the centurion have this moment where he interacted with Jesus, put his trust in Jesus? And yeah. by the way, we'll spend an eternity with Jesus. Hear me. Right. You and right. I will talk to this guy. What led to that? Yeah. It wasn't the building of the synagogue. Yeah, right. It wasn't, you know, the 360 reviews of his <laughs> Roman centurion soldier or his soldiers and the Jewish leaders. Yeah. What led him there? One thing and one thing only. Pain and suffering of his servant. Yeah. Point of death led him there. Okay. Hey, Roman centurion, are you sad that happened? What do you mean am I sad that happened? Mm. I mean, I didn't like seeing my friend in pain. Right. But boy, am I glad that happened, right? And so what we have to see here is God is a perfect steward of all circumstances. Yeah. So I don't know if he causes it. I don't know all that stuff. I, it's far beyond what my brain can understand. But I guarantee you, I know that he won't waste it. Yeah. So in all of those things, all the pain, all the sorrow, all the things, there is one thing that God is working those things together to build your faith in him and Christ alone. In Christ alone. So all the other stuff, that's... That's the end goal. The whole funnel is leading you to in Christ alone. So if we can come to that conclusion without having to lose all of our stuff, yeah, that's a that's a good option. Yeah, but if we lose all of our stuff to come to that conclusion, in the end, it's worth it. Yeah. So, 
Uh, let me ask this yeah. last question. Um, it says the Amplified Bible says that pure in heart are those of integrity, moral courage, and godly character. Given the height of that bar, is there any other hopeful means for seeing God? Um, um, yeah, so this is really interesting because it leads you to a certain spot of going, oh no, how do I do all that? Right? Can, yeah, I, right. can I, can I, can I? Okay, let's go back to it. When it says, blessed are the pure in heart, well, that's what the Amplified Version says. You know, it, it, it really does talk about, um, I just said it, trying to, where we think about kind of our own motivation, right? right. Those who don't have corrupt desires. Mm -hmm. At its core, that's what that language means for that, not having corrupt desires, right? And so I would say that the bar for us in all that understanding is not just how do we be men of integrity or women of integrity. It's going, what is my desire? Yeah. What is my desire in this? What is my motivation? Is my motivation just to please God? Is my motivation just to trust Him? Then I'd leave the rest to Him. Hmm. So going, okay, how do I do this? I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to get better. God, I want to read the scriptures today. But it's not because I'm building the synagogue and because my wife will say that I'm worthy. Hmm. I'm reading these. Why am I reading these? Why am I reading these? Am I, why am I praying? Is it because it's not, it can't be because I think somehow you're happier with me? No, no, no. It's got to be that. In these words, I can see you and know you, right? And so the pure heart says, I'm going to read this because in reading this, I'm going to know God and see him, which is what I really long for. This, that, this is what suits me and satisfies me. So as we, the, the bar for us is not how do we perform and what does it look like? The bar is inward going, what is my motivation? Yeah. Is my motivation to climb up the ladder so that God will see me? Or is it that I'm going to purify my heart so that I can see him? Yeah. So are you trying to get God to see you? Or are you just trying to see him? Mm -hmm. And if you're just trying to see him, check your motivation. There's no corrupt desire. Either the Bible's not true, which honestly, I just wasted your hour, wasted multiple hours, 50 minutes. And this is all for naught. And, yeah. Or it is true, which I think it is. And when he says, blessed are those who have uncorrupt motivations, probably as a result of walking through fire and affliction, who've been cleansed and purified. He tells us and he promises that we will see him. Mm -hmm. So my challenge or comment on that is the bar is actually set pretty low <laughs> on that, not pretty high because it, he doesn't leave it to us to do the behavior modification mm -hmm. of integrity. He leads it to us to check our motivation and the purity of our motivation and to see him and allow him to do the work hmm. in us. So hmm. That's good. Yeah. Well, I feel like I've got, I want to read the last two verses, but then turn it over if there's anything extra yeah. that you wanted to share. But so basically the centurion says that he doesn't have to come. Verse nine says, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when uh, those who had been sent returned to the house, they found that the servant was well. You know, it's interesting when I wrote this, like I got through verse nine, I was all pumped and I was like, done, I'm done, I'm done. And I went back later, I was sending some notes to Christian as we were working through what we we're going to do about snow. And I was like, oh no, I forgot the verse 10. I just didn't care. I literally didn't care what happened to the servant. Yeah. It's just like, God, Jesus has said, I've never seen anything like this. I've never yeah. seen anything. I'm like, oh, that's it. That's, that's the, that's the goal. Not whether or not the servant got better. Jesus marveled at the guy who put, like, so it's like, yeah. 
Like, okay, fine, the servants will. He's going to die again. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's like, I just missed that. But so it has very little to do with the outcome and everything to do with the object we're trusting. And so, and the outcome will be good. And that's what, that's why I kind of explained. It's like a gift. Like, you don't know what it is, but I promise you it's not just socks, right? And, and what I do understand is the gifts, and this is like experiential, the gifts just keep getting better. Now, they might not seem like it, like without even today, I'm like, oh, Lord, look at this snow. It's like, you're so gracious. You know, like, look at my kids. They're growing up. You know, like, the gifts just keep getting better as I keep trusting him more. And so it's hard to go do that. Follow me. I got it right. I don't have it right, but I'm telling you, the gifts keep getting better. But we have to understand this. The only way you experience the gift is you have to receive it as gift. There's no, you don't give them something for it. So I was like, I have the integrity, so I get it. No, 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 receive the gift. Just receive the gift. Yeah. Receive the gift. Know that it's good. Know that he's the object of that. And as you continue to open those, they just get better and better. And the gifts get bigger. And the keys get larger. And the kingdom gets, you know, more advanced. So there's just mm-hmm. so much in it. And it's just cumulative and comprehensive. So that's what I'd say. And then I just would offer this. And I shared this on Sunday. But this is what I would close with is I just need you to see kind of the three steps of this. Just the. So you understand how this works. Faith began for the centurion because Jesus was in Capernaum. Yeah. Jesus was where he was, right? It wasn't that this guy had to go track him down. In fact, he sent some guys, but Jesus comes to him. So all this initiates with Jesus. And so this idea that I go, I got to get the key. I got to duplicate the key. I got to you seek way down to me and manufacture this key. It's like, no, 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 Jesus is Jesus is with you and around you. So I just say, just look up and look for him and opportunities to open the gifts and stretch your faith. It isn't something you have to go and manufacture it. It begins with Jesus. And the second piece that I just thought was really, really important is it just doesn't have to be perfect. The centurion's faith is not perfect. His theology is a little skewed, right? And he didn't have much of a Christology at all. So he doesn't see Christ as Savior yet. I mean, he will, but so he's missing some of those pieces. But he, but it, so it doesn't have to be perfect because it's not about your perfection or your stuff in that. And but it has to do more with you know Jesus. So it has less to do with your certainty, more to do with the object of your certainty. So mm-hmm. starts with Jesus, little to do with the size of your faith, everything to do with the object of your faith, which would be Jesus. And the last one, just talked about it. Just you can't miss it. You just can't miss it. You can't mess this up. You can't go, well, I think God wants me to make dinner for that person. But what is wrong with if he doesn't? It's like, oh, no, 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 it doesn't. It's, it, remember, he's the object. And so yeah, the, yeah. the goal here isn't that you get perfect clarity. You just know it's, oh, of course I would do that because I think that'd be pleasing to God. Yeah, so blessed are the pure in heart. Oh, yeah, I'm going to make my neighbor dinner. Yeah, I'm going to scrape the driveway. Yeah, I'm going to write that note. Because that's just what God would have. I think that's what he had me do in my own. I've checked my corrupt desires and they're not corrupt. I just want to please him. Then what will happen is this is blessing of the pure heart for you will see God. And so something beautiful in that. So he starts it. It definitely doesn't have to be perfect. Your theology doesn't have to be fully or well-rounded for you to operate in this. And third one is, is you can't miss it if you got a pure heart. So how does that begin? You open the gift, you enjoy the gift, you celebrate the gift, and you look for the next one. Yeah, so. that's good. 
Well, I think that's all that we have for today. We want to say thank you so much for joining us and being a part of, of the discussion. What our hope and our prayer is, is that every week as we do this, this is something that challenges and encourages you and your faith to go a little bit deeper. Um, maybe to ask a few more questions. As always, if you do have questions that you would like to bring up for the podcast, we'd love to hear them. You can email us at overtime at clcfamily.church or you can just text those to the church at 610-869-2140. Or you can call Karen. Or you can call us. Uh, that would be fine as well. We'll take those questions anyway. We always love when, when you are part of what we're kind of our discussion is. So thanks so much for joining us. We hope that you have a blessed week and we will see you again next week.